movie marks. It was the 2000s, and I met Chris Sacco. You may know him today as Sacco.games. But back then, he was just Sacco, and he was five foot four, and I was five foot six, and together we were 10 feet 10 inches of power. We traveled the roads of America going from Arizona to New Jersey. We started a podcast, you know, an episodic series of spoken word digital audio files that a user can download to a personal device for easy listening. We never thought this journey would take us here. We're the movie marks, and today we're grappling with Moment of Truth, starring the icon Sting. Welcome to the Movie Marks, the podcast where we discuss movies starring professional wrestlers who act like amateurs. I'm Chris Sacco, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the earthquake to my typhoon, Chris Kramer. Oh, thank you. I I I like Canadian earthquake the best. That's my favorite variation of earthquake. Uh yeah. I mean, I like a lot of what Typhoon did. I mean. <laughs> Obviously, my, the one I enjoy the most is the Shockmaster, but I'm still partial to Tugboat Typhoon just because the outfit was so absurd. Oh, yeah. But what about Uncle Fred when he was just lovable Uncle Fred, whatever that was? <laughs> uh, so, so before we get to your rundown of uh, Sting Moment of Truth, and I have to correct you, the movie is actually called Sting Moment of Truth. So... Put some respect on Sting's name when you include it in the title, please. I apologize. I was trying to fit it into the formatting that you make me stick to so, <laughs> so strictly. Hey, you want you want to pick up sponsorship? That's how you do it. <laughs> but before we get to your rundown of this uh, quote unquote film, uh, we have some listener feedback to get to. And th- this is not technically listener feedback, but I felt it was worth mentioning. It came to our attention um, right before the recording of this episode from a Twitter user named Hardeep Singh, who uh, uh, quote-tweeted some of our screen grabs from Cosmic Sin featuring C.J. Perry, Lana, in her costume. And he pointed out that her design is identical to a character named Loba in a game called Apex Legends, which collectively blew our minds, I think. Oh, it was insane. I I know this is a popular game, but I've never played it. But it is 100% lifted from this game i mean right i mean the 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 weapon she carries is also apparently a weapon you can acquire in the game so uh her hair we commented on lana's hair in that movie being this weird double braid thing and that's exactly what this character has in the game it was it's mind-boggling and on top of that i just found out that bruce willis has another bizarre sci-fi movie coming out that looks exactly like this and it's called apex yes it is Yes, it is. I mean, I am really hopeful that somewhere on that cast list there's a wrestler so that we could cover that movie. Because, I mean, you got to figure, I mean, someone's got to sneak into that movie, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's him and it's, I don't know, like one of the third bad guys from Sons of Anarchy. So there's space for a wrestler in there. It's, it's Neil McDonough. Show some respect. <laughs> <laughs> So I figured it, I, there's no there's no chance that Hardeep Singh listens to our show. So it's not technically listener feedback, but I felt it was worth mentioning. Shout out Hardeep. I, he's, he's one of those uh, Twitter people, too, at that that's his name. And then his Twitter handle is just Hardeep Singh. So he was able to get his actual name. I like that. Good for him. You got to yeah. get in earlier to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's uh, He's an early adopter of the platform. All right, Kramer. So uh, tell us about the life and times of Sting in Sting, <laughs> Moment of Truth. 
Oh, boy. So, our film is Sting, as you said, colon, moment of truth. (laughs) And it was directed by George King, who I personally believe is not a real person. (laughs) He he co-wrote the book Sting, colon, moment of truth with Sting and directed this movie, and that's it. I have, can I ask you a question that you probably don't know and might derail the show? Is this movie, again, quote unquote, a companion piece to the book. So was this like you bought the book and you got the little DVD in a in a jacket inside it or something? <laughs> no, this I believe was made as a as, the book must have done so well they needed a movie where it was already <laughs> planned as a full multimedia experience <laughs> similar to the Star Wars Shadows of the Empire <laughs> uh, for those so, real nerds out there. <laughs> okay. So so okay. So at some point, we're also going to get an interactive CD-ROM sting moment of truth, something like that? Yeah, a companion soundtrack, which <laughs> this movie has a great soundtrack, so I hope it's out there. Oh, man. Uh, this movie also stars literally nobody other than Sting and a handful of guys from TNA that were just around that day. Yeah, I'm hoping you could name them, because I... I mean, I could name the people in the actual TNA clips, obviously, but they're, they're you know, a lot of this... this movie plays like cutscenes from a video game and I couldn't name the wrestlers in the cutscenes besides Sting. So uh it I uh, if if just to jump ahead a little bit, no, I have no idea who Hard Jack is. <laughs> <laughs> they also We'll get uh, the Hard Jack. <laughs> this this show is already off the rails. We're not even talking about the movie. What the guy um who plays uh, Hellwig the Ultimate Warrior he they recycle him as one of the guys Sting wrestles later on because you can tell the tattoos are the same. Oh, oh yeah, this movie stars about four people that just play all yeah. the roles. It's like that indie show we saw where, where they just switched armbands <laughs> and brought them back out. <laughs> um, I also watched this movie free on YouTube, but it was broken up into ten different videos, which I have, which I have decided is the best way to watch any film going forward. <laughs> I love when people do that. It, it's funny you say that. That's kind of wild because I also watched it free on YouTube and mine was one chunk. So I don't know how you did that. <laughs> I don't know. I looked for it in one chunk. I couldn't find it. I just had a guy that was like really committed to getting it up there, broke it up. <laughs> Took him a whole weekend to upload 10, 10 minute yeah. chunks. <laughs> so this movie looks cheap right from the go. And I mean, we've seen cheap movies, but this hands down is the cheapest thing we've seen yeah the um the production company which i mean this is not a production company but it's called dove canyon and the logo looks like one of the smaller video game companies from the 90s logo like it's like an eyeball that's like flexing its muscle or something do you, do you remember t- t- uh, tiberian that had like the shark yeah. that was muscular that's what it reminded me of yeah. but it's an eyeball <laughs> Oh, God, this movie. All right. (laughs) We open on two kids watching TV. One of them has the most square head I've ever seen in my life. So it's either Young Sting or it's the prototype John Cena. (laughs) 12 seconds into this movie, and I just started laughing. And I couldn't couldn't explain why, but it was like I knew what I was getting myself into. Oh, God. They're playing with snow globes. It's, It's trying to be real artistic. And it intersects with somebody painting their face white and black. I have no idea who that's going to be. I hope we find <laughs> out soon. Um, 
Also, during this opening credit scenes, based on a true story comes up, and if there was ever a place for quotes to go, it was there. <laughs> well, that's why you put based. You can get away with a lot of <laughs> creative license. Um, so these kids are watching old wrestling, but it's just current wrestling that somebody turned black and white. <laughs> Just to make it seem old. They linger on a little person match, and I thought that was a strange choice. Not only do they linger on it, the kids are excited about it. Yeah, the, that I don't. So that makes me think that Sting, as a child, really liked little person wrestling. That he was like, "Oh no, you got to put that." Me and my brother used to love watching that or something because it doesn't. They're on it for a while. Like, why are we highlighting that? Or is that just the only footage they could get? <laughs> I would love if, like, deep down, Sting is just a little person wrestling, like, enthusiast. Like, the way people <laughs> like deathmatch wrestling or, like, Japanese-style wrestling. Or, or you know, or movie-starring wrestlers, that kind of thing. Yep. He just has walls of VHSs of Sky Low Low matches. <laughs> oh, gotta get him on the show. <laughs> I don't know if he's alive. Oh, that's sad. We get a black and white shot of an empty, smoky ring, and someone just says Bruno San Martino over the top of it. So that signifies the past. Correct. And then we immediately cut to modern day-ish wrestling, because a ring announcer, who is Jeremy Borash from TNA, he's part of the WWE production now, is announcing a WCW match, which he wasn't in WCW. No. So this guy is meant to be, he's meant to be ripping off Michael Buffer. Right, I suppose so. Yeah, yeah, because I guess. because he says this. You didn't write down how he sets up this match, Kramer. I wrote down that he he announces the match, but it drowns out, so you don't hear who the opponent is. Right, but what he says before he announces Sting is, "Let's do it." Oh, I didn't even put that together. Oh <laughs> yeah. God, <laughs> yeah, because they didn't, they couldn't have worn. Let's get ready to rumble. And Buffer obviously was used to introduce Sting all the time, so. I did not know this was an actual ring announcer though I thought it was again just one of George King's buddies no it's Jeremy Borash he he has a very big hand in the creation of the Matt Hardy universe back in the day the whole broken hardy thing oh okay good for him so he probably should have been put in charge of making this movie where I would have turned out better yeah yep (laughs) we we cut the sting walking down an empty hallway to the, the arena where he removes a cross from his pocket and just you know gives a my man fist bumped the Jesus on his way to the ring. <laughs> and we get we get to the match, which is now supposed to be WCW, clearly TNA, so, so much that it's on the ring. They didn't even bother to take down the apron for anything. Yeah. And what's the other major reason it's clearly TNA? <laughs> well, I mean, he is fighting. Yeah, well, it's a, it is a six-sided ring, is it not? It's not, but who's he wrestling? Oh. Well, see, now I gave them credit for that. Hold on. He's fighting Jeff Jarrett, but Jeff Jarrett was in WCW, so they got half points for me for that. I mean, yeah, but Jeff Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett also invented TNA, so they lose well, half that's that. true. <laughs> Fair enough. They'll take back those points. So we could talk about it now. I didn't write down this note till later because, I honestly, I couldn't understand what they were doing. But the way this movie plays with the timeline of Sting's life Mostly in his wrestling career. The, the the beats of his actual life kind of go in order. But his wrestling career, I could not understand at all what they were trying to say. Oh, I had no idea what the timeline was. I couldn't tell you where things were taking place half the time. He's, it was a complete mess. Yeah, he's because he's played by multiple actors, but only up until like age 30-ish. Then he becomes, he starts playing himself. 
but he he himself will only put on the black and white makeup. He never wears the red makeup. He never wears his surf boy makeup. But all of those things occur in the movie as though he was in the past. Does that make sense? It doesn't, but neither does this movie. <laughs> right. He's dressed like the crow, but it's supposed to be like 1987. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, well. My, my note at this point, especially after seeing the TNA logo blatantly on the WCW ring, yeah, is that I've never seen a movie put as little effort into being professional in my life. Like they didn't attempt to make anything make sense. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably a fair way to put it. They were just happy to get the footage. So we cut back to the dressing room where Sting is just staring in the mirror because he does a lot of that in this movie. It's like yeah. half of this movie. Where a woman walks in with a headset, because she's clearly on production, she goes, there's a reporter guy to see you. Now, what's important about this is we hear her say this, but her mouth never opens. <laughs> it is completely ADR'd in over top of this scene. <laughs> this, this fucking reporter guy we're about to meet. <laughs> well, my, 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 well, I'm about to ask you about him, because um, with this reporter, you have done some sports journalism in your, in your life. That is correct. Is this how you go about your business? Uh, baseball hat, sports coat. Um, is this your your normal outfit? How is this? What's it from your point of view? Well, the background. The uh, the outfit. Is, I mean, usually you're you're pretty casual when you're going into locker rooms. The the outfit is not the issue I have. It's the fact that he's entirely afraid of the subject he's interviewing. <laughs> <laughs> that that that's the thing that I did not experience when as my time as a reporter. So. Well, I mean, it's justified because Sting is kind of a dick to him from the go. Yeah, the, these sort of cutscenes, they're they're there. I don't, I don't honestly don't know why they're there, but they are also the moments where we get to see Sting have a personality. It's not always good, but it's there. It it's just oh god, this whole framing device, which is abandoned halfway through the movie. Yeah, and then they reframe at some point. Th this reporter, this first one we're meeting is, I mean, is is a clown on every level. But they spend about nine minutes trying to make you laugh at a dropping a pencil gag. I mean, so you know, it's law. It was probably one full chunk of the movie you watched in your YouTube <laughs> broken up format. He drops the pencil and it rolls underneath Sting's like director's chair, which I don't know why Sting is wearing that, <laughs> sitting in that. And then he's too afraid to like go reach for it as if like Sting's junk would fall out of his tights and hit him <laughs> in the head or something. Just to, like bend down and pick up the pencil. Why are you afraid? And then instead of picking up the pencil for him, Sting hands him a separate pen. And that's yeah, the we, cap we, on this scene. We get no closing on this pencil. No, it's we still don't know there. If it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> The reporter also says in this scene that I hope it's okay the door was open. He got let into the room by this production assistant. What is he talking about? <laughs> well, he didn't hear the ADR <laughs> from where he was standing. Her lips never moved. So, And then he also thanks Sting for taking the interview. So now I don't know if he's supposed to be there or if this was predetermined. No, he's he's not even a reporter. He's just a fan with a notebook. <laughs> It's so bizarre because he also asked Sting about he said he saw him in that hallway and he saw something in his pocket and Sting won't admit it's a cross for some reason. Like he's the he's the most subtle Christian I've ever seen in one of these things. I have that note later, actually, that for what is, I mean, spoiler alert, folks, this is ostensibly a, a Christian movie. There's not a they like run away from the Christian stuff for yeah, like 99 percent of the movie. 
<laughs> well, until the very gripping ending scene. <laughs> yeah, the ending is just utter, <laughs> utterly wild. Uh, the reporter asks Sting if he always wears the paint, to which Sting responds, you talk to Sting, you talk to the paint. <laughs> which, I don't know how that didn't make it on a t-shirt at any point. <laughs> and this reporter's only basic question to Sting to open this entire movie is, did you have a plan? That's it. Yeah. That's all he's got. And away we go, folks. And <laughs> luckily, that segues us into the coming up of Sting in California. And what goes on going forward, I hope you can keep up with me because I can't even understand what is happening. <clears throat> I'll, I'll do what I can. <laughs> Sting starts telling the reporter about California. You know, sand, sunshine, <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> to which you get a just royalty-free surf rock song set over B-roll of what California looks like. (laughs) (laughs) And Sting going, some people say there's something in the water that makes California people strange. I like to think it's hope. (laughs) California was the land of opportunity before taxes took over. What What the the fuck? (laughs) I wrote that down too. So now we're getting political commentary? (laughs) What the fuck? fuck was that (laughs) like did sting just get hit with his tax bill for that year and was mad this day of shooting and just had to put it in i love a lot of sting stuff is done in voiceover i love that it was clearly recorded at different times with different equipment because sometimes from one (laughs) sentence to the other it'll sound you know clear like our show and then the next sentence will sound like it was recorded in a garbage can like our pilot (laughs) <laughs> oh man, you people never hear the lost episodes. <laughs> I-, I was really into bodybuilding, but then I decided to be a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I got a little little sidetrack real quick here. Since my movie is broken up into blocks. Oh god. <laughs> after this montage of California, does it immediately then go to him talking about his grandfather, which had no segue whatsoever, or was I missing something? Okay, listen, first of all, if you're going to do this for every chunk, I'm going to tell you that I I do not have a firm enough understanding of what happened in this movie chronologically to answer your questions. That is number one. Number two, uh, yes, it immediately goes into a... <laughs> it's, he go, basically he goes from taxes suck to granddad had comic books. It I, I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that his grandfather reading a comic book? I, it made no sense. That's in. That's why I thought I was missing something, because no way that it, that was the next scene. But hey, it was, guys. Yeah, no, it, it goes right. It's it's like basically zooming on a beach, and then they cut to a kid reading uh, like an old comic book with those muscle ads. Yeah, the get ripped ones where like the guy would be kicking sand in a nerd's face like, next to the X-ray specs. Yeah. Uh, he also mentions that his father was a football guy, but Sting was more of a soccer guy. But he played football because his dad wanted him to. That's healthy. Yeah, I, th- I think we need a, a longer <laughs> segment on his father. <laughs> Cause... Oh, yeah. Especially because our, our, our leaving memory of his father is this great shot of a guy smoking a cigarette while coaching football <laughs> with his hands on his hips. I, I feel, thought he was great. I feel like we we have uh, we have some unresolved stuff we may need to revisit in Sting Moment of Truth 2. <laughs> the truthening. <laughs> I was going to subtitle it Father's Day, but either one. Oh, that would be a good one. Well, I feel like if he made this movie now, there'd be a lot more money behind it, and it would have a lot better uh, ending, because this man has been able to get a career going again that's pretty good. 
<laughs> it would turn out that uh, Sting's dad is now an assistant coach for the Jaguars. Of course. <laughs> and he and he had a son. His son was named Darby. <laughs> oh, this is oh, we're definitely doing this. This is good. <laughs> so this goes pretty much nowhere because all this leads to is little Sting running down a beach and then morphing into twenty year old Sting running down the beach. That's correct. We we skip about twelve years. <laughs> yep. But then proceeds to my favorite part of this movie, 20-year-old Sting riding a roller coaster by himself. Oh Kramer, my note, young adult Sting loves roller coasters and diners. <laughs> he is in this roller coaster by himself with the biggest smile, his hands over his head, Just and at one himself. point they... They they flip the footage upside down. I guess to make you think this roller coaster has <laughs> loops. I don't know why, because it doesn't. <laughs> um, it, it's it's he's so happy, and then after he goes to a diner to eat by himself, <laughs> it's it's him like walking around the boardwalk using twenty five cent binoculars. This movie <laughs> has the most padding I've ever seen in anything ever. Yeah. It. I wouldn't even. It's not even padding. You know, we this show because of the movies we do. We talk about padding the way they pad credits and the way they they extend like dialogue scenes. This is not even padding. There'll be a section of the movie, and then for the next four minutes, you are watching what is essentially a screensaver slideshow someone put on their computer. <laughs> that's what I'm serious. That's what it is. There's like nine of those, and they're all three minutes long in this movie. Finally. Sting starts talking, and he goes, I was going to be the next Arnold. He was Mr. Universe before he was governor. Did you see the movie Conan? <laughs> he didn't get that because he was had a way with words. So now we're taking weird shots at Arnold, which yeah. might lead back to the taxes of California. I don't know what's happening right now. Uh, yeah. Th- yeah. Yeah, that, that, whole, that whole thing was weird. <laughs> This, this thing, it's so choppy that my notes are basically how this movie goes. So don't be lost, people, because this is how this works. I do love that it seems you wrote down a lot of Sting's narration, which is wonderful, because I, I want to relive it. <laughs> Next up, Sting opens a gym. I guess he's still in his 20s. There's no concept of time or how he opened a gym. No, because like I said, there's only two actors that play Sting, and one person plays him from, I guess, age 19 to 32 and then the the current the real sting plays him from 32 to 50 so <laughs> so all of this stuff could be happening at any point in history and to symbolize opening this gym there is a sh- extremely long shot of clothes in a dryer that just keeps going and going yeah yeah movie does a lot of that <laughs> stuff too <laughs> we are then here one day, this big dude named Terry comes into the gym. <laughs> Terry was Hulk. Hulk Hogan, king yes. of professional wrestling. Movie Marks alum, Hulk Hogan. It's all coming together. <laughs> then he, Sting discusses how uh, Rick Bassman, who was a famous trainer back in the day for these guys out in California, was looking for someone to be a wrestler. So he came to the gym four weeks in a row, and Sting said no until he said yes. That's it. <laughs> that that's how that's it, it. That's how he became a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how it's gonna happen for us one day when our podcast goes worldwide. 
We get some footage of Sting training, I guess. It's really bad. The trainer, in an effort to show Sting that wrestling is real, has two guys dropkick a plank of wood like this is a karate expo. Yeah, I don't think that's how that works. Because honestly, I'm pretty sure if I was able to do a dropkick to a plank of wood, I could break it. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that hard, right? It's just no. kicking a, pl- a small piece of wood. Oh, man. Now now you're going to get beat up. You mean again? So uh. <laughs> so, so this movie, you're... you're, you're you know, laying out the beats of this movie, there are so there are the the screensaver photo library things that are narrated by Sting that move the plot along, and then they'll intercut these dramatized scenes that are acted, and that's what we're seeing here. So this wrestling scene is actually there's an actor playing the trainer, there's an actor playing Sting in their in the ring. These scenes which pop up throughout the movie, they play like those corporate training videos they make you watch. <laughs> On, like, retreats. You've ever seen those? Oh, yeah. Where it's like, oh, uh, well, you know, Charlie's at the water cooler, but he did something he shouldn't. And then they dramatize what happened at the water cooler. That's what all of these scenes play like. I could, because, you know, those are the worst days at any office job when you have to sit through those. <laughs> so I just, I couldn't take it. I was like, just make these stop. Sting, colon, corporate retreat. <laughs> so at this point... The reporter asks Sting if he's ever done anything crazy, to which Sting replies, crazy, ha ha! And that's what his response is. I don't know. Because <laughs> his explanation of crazy is that when they were training, they went to a WWF house show wearing their tights in the parking lot. Okay, so we speed it up pretty quickly because all of a sudden we just turn up to Sting being like, I met Jim Helwig. He became the ultimate warrior. He went to work for Jarrett. And then there's stock footage of driving across country for the next eight minutes. I love how the Sting describe, describes like mischief he and the warrior used to get into. And, you know, in real life, it was they had like nine different women in every state. They had they were doing drugs and steroids. That's that's the real story. But in the movie, it's just like vague traffic violations. <laughs> yeah, they, get a ticket. Yeah. they don't even look mad about it. They just no. kind of throw their hands up a little bit like, oh, <laughs> they didn't signal while turning. Ah, well, that's what this movie does, too. Like this movie is is essentially about a guy that loses his way because of the life of a wrestler and then. He finds God and comes back, but they are so afraid to commit in any way to him, like leave, like living a dark path of life. Right. It's so vague all the time. I don't, and I don't know if the book, because as we know, this is also a book. I don't know if he's more open in the book, and that the movie he didn't feel needed to show all that or whatever. But it, it, it there's at no point do you think he's like that far, like. Later, they're going to show him having addiction problems, and it basically it's him taking a couple ibuprofen and then washing it down with a beer. And we're supposed to take that to like this is the worst addiction of all time. But he only ever has one beer. It's very weird, right? And even like it's insinuated that he was not faithful to his wife, but they don't even shoot him like hanging out with another woman. I don't need. I'm not even saying like him in bed with a woman. I don't need to see that. That's not even showing him like just talking to another woman at any point. No, no, there, there's. No, the only woman, quote-unquote, character in this movie is his wife at the time. He tells a reporter, I guess Hulkster's saved me from the life of a professional. I rewound it six times, couldn't tell what he said. Don't know what was happening. Oh, no, he said, um, see, this is the problem with having a chopped-up YouTube version. He's, Hulk saved him from a be, being a professional um, gym club owner. Oh, I did not get that part. 
Yeah. That makes more sense, I guess. I mean, he probably could have been pretty successful as a gym owner in Venice Beach, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's probably like the best place to own one. So, you know, I don't know, Sting. Might have been a missed opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Memphis now. Uh, Sting is drinking orange juice with tuna blended into it. Well, some blues song plays over it to symbolize that we're in Memphis, and I can't tell if this song is a parody or <laughs> possibly like really racist because I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I didn't. I tried not to listen to the lyrics. I was just kind of uh, letting the groove fill me for all of these songs because they're all like that. Like, oh, now they're in California, so it's surf music and and so on. This tuna smoothie thing. It, you know how you said the dryer was on the screen for about nine minutes during that last. This, the, yeah. He opens this can of tuna for legitimately two and a half minutes. It's like it's like this person filming this had never opened tuna before. <laughs> He's got to open it with the can opener. Then he squeezes it to get the oil out. Did you ever make a tuna fish sandwich? Do you want to relive that in real time <laughs> while watching a movie? Have we got one for you? My, my note at this point was uh, that I can already tell I hate this movie, but. <laughs> From a this is Sting's life perspective, I guess it's more interesting than if I had to read the biography. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. the, the the addiction stuff. I wish they had done more with later, but I'm kind of in- interested. Like, oh, he saw Hogan at a gym. That's kind of cool. Oh, he was a partner with Warrior. I didn't necessarily know that. Like that stuff's kind of interesting to me. You know, it's kind of like a shoot wrestling interview. But yeah, right. the movie. I hate. I can already tell I hate the movie. But that stuff, <laughs> I'm kind of like, oh, that's kind of neat. So we'll put it down. You love this movie. You want to reboot it. Got it. We've established that. Well, whether or not I love it, I do want to reboot it. That's <laughs> that is loving it is not a prerequisite for rebooting. Here we also get the stock footage of the South, which they could only find stock footage that made it look like the Dust Bowl after like <laughs> like the market crash because it's 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 <laughs> the weirdest footage of just like you know beat up rundown houses, people in overalls chewing like you know. With, like, straw hats chewing on straw. It's so bizarre. And it stops that footage to have Sting call his girlfriend from a payphone just to tell her that Jim Helwig is a brave man for using the public bathroom and that Sting is going to go pee on a tree. That's the entire conversation he has with his girlfriend back in California. Why would you waste the 35 cents for the phone call? (laughs) <laughs> why is this in this movie i don't know he must have thought it was really funny that this is i guess what used to really happen but that's the we, it's the entire he actually cuts her off he's like no nah, i gotta go find a tree now so he must have had to go before he dialed the phone and was holding it just call right. her after and this was after he had to go into the bathroom with the ultimate warrior and then decide <laughs> this warrior this bathroom's not for me leave Helwig stays and he's like, oh shit, I gotta tell Sarah or whatever her name is. And Sue. then immediately Sue. calls her. Sue. Same thing. And then after he hangs up the phone, he gets out of the phone booth and there's a dog there. Don't know whose dog this is. And he's like, where's your tree? <laughs> what is that? So instead of listening to the warrior for advice on where to pee, he's listening to this stray dog. So... We finally get some wrestling down in Memphis, or oh, the general Mid-South area, where we are introduced to Sting and Helwig as Flash and Justice, the Freedom Fighters, till we get this extremely drawn-out match set to some, like, Jerry Lee Lewis rock and roll bullshit. Yep. That's set 
in like an empty arena. It's just like a stage that had a ring in it. So they're wrestling. But it keeps cutting to scenes of fans from the TNA arena. <laughs> yeah, it does. So just remember, this is like 19, like, I don't know, 82, 83, who knows. But we are seeing like people with cell phones, South Park t-shirts, <laughs> you know, DX stuff, because no one was wearing TNA shirts to TNA shows. No, of course not. <laughs> it was insane. Well, that th- that's th- they do that the whole movie. Every one of these matches is filmed in this same empty gym, and then they just cut to that one TNA show they have footage of. <laughs> the one where he fought Jarrett. <laughs> Basically, yes. Also during this, they win. They're great. Everyone loves them. Sure, whatever. He does go, Jim was 280 pounds, and I was 260 oh, pounds, and we were 500 pounds of wrestling fury. <laughs> okay. That's weird. Like, Matt, why? Like, why is... He's not even a good writer. If this is in the book, this isn't a good book either. That must have been on a, a poster when they were like touring together, and he was like, "I got to bring that line back." Oh, this is so fucking. This part is insane. This reporter cannot wrap his head around the fact that Sting wasn't Sting yet at this time. Right. Sting is painfully trying to explain to him that while he was still, you know, Steve, he wasn't Sting. But the rest, the, this reporter just is like, "You were always Sting. When were you not Sting?" <laughs> Uh, it's it's um it's trying to explain to someone who's not a mark that these are these are just characters they're playing. Uh, yeah. So like your father. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're gonna get to him later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know that goes nowhere. Whatever. But then this is where we get back to our love story between Sting and Sue, where we have a dating montage where I don't know. It's 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 embarrassing how bad this is because it leads up to a wedding. Wherein they didn't even bother to hire extras for this wedding. Yeah, no, they were the only two people at the wedding. <laughs> Not even a like a, somebody to be the officiant. That's correct. It is literally just the two of them standing next to a lake <laughs> in their full like gown and tuxedo, getting married, and then getting into a car and driving away with the cans on the back, obviously. Not a single person is to be found anywhere. <laughs> I also, I mean, I don't know Sting's life that closely all i know about it is from this movie so <laughs> what was so was he on the road and went back to get married because all of these scenes were also seemingly filmed at the same boardwalk roller coaster that he was in <laughs> 20 minutes ago in the movie so i would have loved if instead of getting into the just married they got into the roller coaster car <laughs> with a just married sign on the back of it and, and we get the return of happy sting yeah but but his new bride is just like pissed off that this is what they're doing for their honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> it's a better movie. Well, speaking of that, it's a better so, movie. It's like, a like, better movie. Like you say, it's a better movie. Or Sting falls in love with the roller coaster. Now we're working on a different level. Oh, that's that's. Oh, imagine if Christianity could save him from that. Oh man, now we have a whole Sting universe we can work with here. Okay, we've got to contact. Uh, what was it? Vertical Church Films. They would do it. So we cut to Sting carrying his wife into their new house, which is completely the void of any furniture. But they had enough money to buy six hundred candles. <laughs> and Sting is wearing neon green muscle shirt and a pair of Zubaz. <laughs> so, you know, I guess they came right from their wedding to their new home, which is weird because he carries her in and they're all happy. Then it cuts to him talking about how sad she was that they were poor, but mind you, they are still wearing the same exact outfits. <laughs> and the candles are all gone too. Well, they. <laughs> 
well, they were poor, so they could only afford one one uh, outfit. And he then ends that scene where she's crying about how poor they are by him carrying her away out of the scene. So maybe they're married again? I don't know what just happened. There was a bizarre time time flux here. Yeah, the, these, yeah. Now we jump forward again, and Sting has split up from Jim Helwig, you know, the ultimate warrior. They are now once again not 500 pounds, but 500 divided by two <laughs> remainder goes to the warrior, I guess. I do have respect uh, in, in this part where he talks about them still being green as wrestlers. Sting talks about how he used to hurt a lot of guys, <laughs> which is like the most honest thing he says in the whole movie. <laughs> Listen, I was bad. I was real bad. We had a reputation for injuring people. Oh, wow. That's a, no, no one ever admits that. <laughs> All right. So they're split up and now we got Sting and WCW, which the way we get there is by a weird interview where a backstage announcer is talking about how Terry Taylor missed his flight and is going to be replaced by Hammerjack, who has broken off from the first family. Yeah, what is who that? are any of these fucking people? I know I, who Terry Taylor is. <laughs> I mean, I was going to rely on you to tell me. I don't know much about, <laughs> you know, what, what was going on down south in the early 80s. Hammerjack looks like the most awful independent wrestler you've ever seen. He's just an old guy that's just bearded and hairy. And he's a decent promo, though. <laughs> then it cuts to a Sting promo, which is awful. Young Sting, the fake Sting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's it's awful, but he does an okay job at simulating sort of the beats that Sting used to take in those promos, Thanks. where he's just kind of <laughs> screaming and, like, aggressively. I'll ground your bones to dust! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. At least he has the outfit. Yeah, it's true. Also here, we find out that Sting and his wife have been renting their house to the <laughs> Angel of Death. Oh, my God, I love this. <laughs> who is a slow motion shot of a man just sitting on a porch waving <laughs> my note is angel of death seems nice <laughs> it does this might be my favorite part of this movie it's roller coaster sting and the angel of death it's just like it's like they're so afraid of angel of death they didn't even stop the car to take a still picture of him no. like the car's just rolling past him as he's waving from the porch like isn't that thing's house he's just like Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> Isn't that Sting's house? Why is he driving away? <laughs> uh, favorite favorite part of this movie. Oh, man. <laughs> but also then immediately after that, Sting's back home. So Angel of Death's not even in the house. I would have loved if Sting was home and like Angel of Death was just like the annoying roommate now. <laughs> like, a, like an odd couple situation. Yeah, yeah. That would have been awesome. Sting's wife comes home from work. Uh, she works at like Fridays or something. She's got a... The outfit with all the buttons up and down the suspenders. <laughs> and this is what finally pushes Sting over the edge so he has to make a phone call to God. <laughs> where he also, during this prayer, where he's asking God to send them like a sign, he mentions that, you know Jeff, my brother. Yeah. So I don't know, is Jeff dead? Like, I don't know what that meant. We have not established Jeff in any way. Yeah, no, I, I thought what he was saying was that my brother died and is now in heaven, so you're hanging out with him. That's how I read that, too. That's how anybody would read that. Right. Well, I mean, I guess if, if unless you know the, the history of the Bordens, I guess. <laughs> so he prays to God, and God sends him a sign by his wife finds $10, so we're getting pizza tonight. Which does not seem like responsible use of that money you just found. <laughs> no, if you're that broke, uh, I feel like, you know, hold on to that. Also, yeah. no one asked Angel of Death if he wanted pizza. <laughs> 
<laughs> Weird turn from Angel of Death is my uh, <laughs> my uh, tenant to I'm now a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, God steps in, everybody, because you know what God does for Sting? <laughs> God lands Sting a, an appearance at a grand opening of a Hardee's. <laughs> God does work in mysterious ways, Kramer. <laughs> he's, he's he's on the he's on the board at Hardy's, so he pulled some strings. Yeah, so does whenever Sting hits a town ever since then, does he just have to find a Hardy's? Does he not eat in the Northeast? <laughs> well, he probably still has free food for life. Oh, that's true. And at this Hardy's where he's, you know, the young Sting is in his surfer Sting gear, some psychotic wrestling fan comes up to him. <laughs> for an autograph yeah, and just keeps was... telling him how much he wants him to kill Ric Flair yeah, over and over was... again. That was weird. And now this segues into them actually somehow getting WCW footage for this movie. Yeah, I didn't understand any of that. How did he attain a lot of this footage? Like it's the original footage too. It's got the commentary by like yeah. JR. Yeah, I don't understand. He must have... I like bagged or I honestly I can't I can't just unless they don't know maybe they don't know he I never asked they could know they never found out <laughs> no harm no foul because there's it's more than no, once we see a match yeah. later no no one has seen this movie maybe that's it did we look at the, the view count on YouTube and the 10 parts did also <laughs> now thinking about those 10 parts I need to go back and see if they're all evenly watched like did somebody stop watching it and not finish it <laughs> God, I have so many questions about how this movie was broken up now on YouTube Kramer I'm sure all 10 parts have exactly one view so <laughs> <laughs> they all happened last night <laughs> We have Sting checking out of a hotel now, where he is then greeted by friends of Ted DiBiase that know him from a parish. Oh, yeah. And Th isn't this guy kind of an asshole? Yeah. So this, these, so these are Jesus people, basically. They're Ted DiBiase, you know, well-known Christian as well. They basically say to Sting, if your plane crashes, what's going to happen? So they, they want him to pray. But honestly, the vibe I got... I thought they were threatening him. That's how it felt. Like he he's he he was nice to them. He greeted them. Yeah. Said, "Oh yeah, I know Ted." And then when he tr he was like, "Oh, I got to get a flight." The guy was like mad, like that he tried to walk away from him. Yeah, it, it, I thought they were setting up a like a sting colon final destination with this flight. <laughs> we cut back to the quote unquote present day with a uh, crow sting, and he is now best friends with the reporter. I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're yeah they're buddies now. Because, like, the interview is over, and the reporter tells Stink, you're very interesting. And Stink's like, no, you're interesting. <laughs> I think when when they let Sting not kind of read lines, I think he's actually pretty good. Like, I think he's got some, like, charisma. Oh, yeah, definitely. He, 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 there's a reason that he was popular. He has charisma. Yeah, I think the problem that in this movie is that he's playing himself, so he feels like he has to be very earnest for a lot of it. But I think when he's just kind of goofing around, which comes up here and there, he, he's, he's pretty okay. I mean, you know, you could see that maybe he could be an actor. I don't know. Spoilers, if you stick around with this show for the next couple of years, we'll find oh. out. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, so uh, this of, is... <laughs> of YouTube movies, go ahead. <laughs> so this is where this timeline situation really goes crazy for me because this reporter part of the movie is gone. This is done. Yeah, he leaves. And we got Crow Sting, yep. who is about to have a match with Abyss, who was in TNA, probably one of TNA's biggest acts that they ever like actually came homegrown from them. But 
I don't know where anything happens after this, because we go back to more WCW footage, so I can't tell what we're doing anymore in this movie. This match he's about to have is long. It's like a like a five-minute match. It is a full-on match, basically. Which is long for a movie, but clearly they were just filming spots, and then they edited it, edit it together. Well, especially because he wins without his finish. Yeah, he wins with a move I've never seen him do in a match. <laughs> <laughs> but his face paint also uh, sweats off and reappears. At various points in the match. <laughs> it looks like when he came out of that box on Raw. <laughs> Here's where we also establish that Sting has a pill and drinking problem. And we do that by him sitting in a dark room just staring at a mirror. And that's it. Yeah, there's also, this is the first time we see real Sting without the makeup. Yes. It's yeah. like a close-up of his face, and it's always jarring to me because it's very hard for me. It looks like a different person to me. It's very hard for me to picture him without the makeup. So, like, when it saw it, I was like, who's that? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because this is when he was rocking that bullshit little goatee. Yeah. He may still have. It's very hard to tell if he has it because it looks like part of his paint. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> It's like the Cesar Romero mustache from the old Batman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> where they where, <laughs> where they tried to cover it with white paint, but I love that he refused to shave his mustache for that. That makes me so happy. Good for Good him. Good for him. That's a that's a fucking power move. Yeah. <laughs> we get a, a montage of WCW I mean, did he have matches. Like, did he have like <laughs> Did he have Welcome like the Romero cast? <laughs> Did he have, like, mustache sponsorship? Why the fuck wasn't he shaving his mustache? <laughs> like, that's the dumbest thing. This is the 60s. Why did he oh, need his mustache? No, that was straight up. This was, This is a comic book project? I don't think so. <laughs> I'm keeping it. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> Vincent, did you hear what they want me to do? They got you playing Egghead. They want me to shave? <laughs> uh, well, this show's off the... This show's done. <laughs> Come for the Sting podcast. Hear about Egghead from the Batman series. Oh, I would do a 60s Batman podcast. All right. Put it on the books. <laughs> I have to register another trademark, but sure. <laughs> All right. So we got a montage of assorted WCW matches here. None of them from the same time period. None of them taking place in the same arenas or rings. Nope. This is like when you watch one of those like best 50 moves of Sting compilations on YouTube. <laughs> so we just established WCW, I guess, with this footage. Okay. And now Sting is waiting for his ride inside of a building. 100% he is standing inside of an arena, not in a parking lot, not in a parking deck. You can yeah. see concession stands. You can see the doors that say exit on them and behind him. Correct. He is waiting inside. So maybe he's waiting for somebody to pull up in front of that door so he can then walk out to the car. Right, everybody? Is that what you're thinking? Well, I hate to ruin it for you, but a man on a motorcycle <laughs> pulls up next to him inside this building. <laughs> Random guy. Yep. Never seen before. Never see again, in fact. Nope. Never seen again. He just starts having, like, the bullshit conversation you have with someone you sit next to an airplane with this guy. Yep. About, like, you got kids? Are you married? What's new with you? It's it, it's nothing. <laughs> and this is, they've established at this point in the movie that Sting is like the biggest thing in wrestling. 
Correct. And he's standing there by himself, and this one random guy comes up. I, I'm concerned for Sting's safety, to be honest. <laughs> well, this guy is very adamant that he wants to give Sting a ride on his motorcycle. Yeah. So did he just want Sting to jump on the back and wrap his arms around his waist and they ride off together? Yes. I, I believe that, yes. This was their meat cute, but Sting didn't take the bait. <laughs> Again, inside of a building. <laughs> yes. Yes. But luckily... Sting's limo arrives inside of this building. They drove a limo down the concourse of a building. <laughs> and when it pulls up, this guy pops out of the sunroof yelling about <clears throat> going the party. They don't show you who it is. Who knows who they're trying to insinuate this is? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. They don't show it. And Sting is just like, no, no, no. I'm going to the hotel. Oh, Sting makes it back to the hotel where there's a very long scene of him laying out his gear. Yeah, why did we watch that? <laughs> and someone calls to try and get him down to the bar, but he's too busy drinking three Budweiser's by himself in his room. This is what's confusing. So he made a big stink to the limo people. Like, I'm not going to party. I'm not going to party. But then he goes to his room. It is implied that he does drugs and drinks and is getting phone calls about going down to the bar. So isn't that partying on some level? <laughs> yes, that is. So, so what what are we supposed to... So he was, I guess we're supposed to imply that he was hiding his problems from everyone else? I don't know. So during this thing, finds a note in his luggage, which just seeing it, you assume that it's going to be like a Dear John type letter. Yeah. Which it kind of is, but it isn't. <laughs> he starts reading it, at, and you get a voiceover from his actual wife who does the voiceover for this. Oh, scene. really? Yeah. Oh, okay. So good for her. She got a part in the movie, I guess. She's not his wife anymore as of this recording, so. Yeah, I mean, right, pretty much right after this movie came out, they they get a divorce, so I kind of. <laughs> this movie caused it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of sours the ending, but this is another moment where it's like, okay, this is kind of, at least it's interesting that he's being kind of real with this part, especially if it's her reading it, because a lot of the stuff in there makes him look really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of you're a bad, you're like, but it's not even that bad, though, because it's no, weird, it... like, you're a good father and a good husband, but, like, not great. Good, not great. <laughs> three stars three wouldn't recommend. Yeah, I give you three stars. <laughs> so we go from Sting's wife telling him he's like a fine husband to <laughs> Sting complaining that fans only want violence. It's also, like you said, the time. So this is obviously we're going to start talking about extreme stuff, although we don't really. We just get kind of a hardcore match, but. This is part of the timeline confusion because either before or during or after this scene, there's a random reporter in like what looks like an airport terminal. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's after this scene, which is it's, weirder. That, yeah, that makes even less sense. OK, so go ahead. You can talk about this hardcore scene then. We'll 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 circle back. There's not much to this scene. It really is just Sting having a two on one handicap match inside of a steel cage because fans just want violence. Uh, yeah. One of these guys is Lance Archer. So that's kind of cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Good good for him. Um, also, during this cage match is where Sting suddenly has developed the ability to transport, like, smoke in the Mortal Kombat games. Correct. Yes. <laughs> where he's, he's just disappearing and reappearing around this ring. Okay. But after this match is where we get this woman discussing the greatness of Ted Turner. This is wild. She's, again, the timeline doesn't make sense. She's talking about how popular Sting is becoming Meanwhile, we're in, like, the late 90s at this point. Sting has been the most popular wrestler 
in at least the South for 15 years. <laughs> yes, things always been huge for them. Yeah, like... And she says that not since Hulk mania has someone been this popular. <laughs> I wrote that down too. Was that a mistake? Was that avoiding a lawsuit? What was that? I mean, maybe it's the lawsuit thing. Because Sting clearly has some admiration for Hogan. As we learn in this movie, he, he you know, he even protects him later. <laughs> during right. uh, so it, it had to be some kind of legal thing i it just hulk mania even non-wrestling fans know what hulkamania is like that's a weird thing to mess up well that's it's an interesting point does does vince own hulkamania uh, i'm sure he does because when he some was in wcw he couldn't say hulkamania right that's true yeah so maybe that's what it is it's funny. They use the footage that Vince owns from WCW, but they're they're tiptoeing around. <laughs> they won't around. say the word Hulkamania. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that seems a little sketchy. <laughs> well, you know what? Sting's been pretty popular, right, Chris? Uh, yeah, yeah. We need to really get him to the next level. What do you think the best way to do that is? Uh, I don't know. Maybe Maybe change his gimmick up? No, no, we're definitely not doing that. In fact, we're not doing that for like about another, tw- not not even to this day from this movie, goddammit. <laughs> this man is stuck to this fucking crow gimmick so goddamn long. Yep. Which actually, fun side thing, I just recently learned that the guy that created the crow originally thought this was just kind of fun. And now today he is upset he didn't ever seek legal actions because he didn't think it would go on this long. Yeah, well that that's you know that was a miss for him because the minute <laughs> the minute he looked exactly like your character, you probably should have done something. Marvel oh, yeah, still no. gets paid for Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, and that uh, that that one board game company still gets paid for Gangrel. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, uh, that White Wolf Games or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, after we've taken that weird side side uh, thing <laughs> so we're gonna get sting over the top make him the most popular wrestler in the history of the business you know how we're gonna do that guys we're gonna lower his ass from the ceiling that's gonna change <laughs> the game wrestling will never be the same lowering people from the ceiling will go on forever with forever and ever without any incident uh, too soon <laughs> and we are done doing this by sting meeting charlie the cable guy <laughs> and this Dude. guy is an arrogant asshole. He's an arrogant asshole. He's he's not taking uh, the instructions he's giving Sting seriously. This is meant to be a slapstick sort of comedic scene, which is really uncomfortable given that this was all filmed after the tragedy involving this exact thing happened. So yeah. I don't know what the intention of this was. No, there's a lot of joking about falling and not rigging up properly. It is uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know what that... Yeah. But uh, guess what? Sting dropping from the ceiling? That took Sting to the next level and launched WCW. So much, we now get a montage of Sting lowering from the ceiling for the next three minutes. Yep. Also, uh, footage that they technically do not own. <laughs> nope. Including my favorite, helicopter into the Club La Vila stage at spring break. That is a pretty wild spot, though. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> that is the second best thing that ever happened at Club La Vila. First being the wall standing on a hotel 12 miles away from the venue. Also a great gif. 
All right, we get some more Sting uh, sitting in a dark room being sad, and then we get a <laughs> montage of bar footage, stock footage, yep. of just like neon lights and people like singing karaoke. Yep, this is <laughs> this is how you know things have gone south. <laughs> Sting, I would have liked to have seen Sting sing karaoke in this movie. Yeah, yeah, probably pretty good. Uh, also here, Sting mentions that he was invited to a service called the Promise Keepers, where yes. 40,000 men came together. He was invited by Jeff. So guess what, guys? Jeff's his brother, and he's alive. We've just yep. established that. That's correct. That's I guess that's how he knows Jesus, because I guess he's a preacher of some kind. <sighs> yeah. would You know, sure. They, they show actual footage of this Promise Keeper thing, and it is legitimately jarring. Oh, it's unsettling. It's yeah. unsettling. There's just like... A, <laughs> it's the most people I've ever seen. They're all men... And they're like praying and singing and dancing. Yeah, it's, it's really it, it's like forty thousand white guys in khakis yeah. and yeah. polos. It is uncomfortable. <laughs> and then one guy in black and white face paint. <laughs> yeah, just standing there. Yep, <laughs> but wearing khakis and a polo. <laughs> we get that later. <laughs> we, do. we get that later. <laughs> I forgot we get that later. Uh, and Sting translates from this. To him heading to Nitro in Atlanta, that was going to be the biggest Nitro ever. But luckily, we have footage of him at Spring Stampede. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they weren't able to pirate the Nitro footage from that show. No, I guess not. And even then, it's like mixed footage. There's like three different Nitro sets and like two different opponents for all of this. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. They they use this footage not to symbolize the match that he was having, but to just show the concept of wrestling, I suppose. Right, yeah. So luckily, this then goes into the next best montage of this film. Sting at the Toy Fair convention, I guess? Because <laughs> we have Sting in a suit, full Sting face paint, just... I guess he was given a direction, have fun with these toys, because it's him acting with action figures for the next four to five minutes. Yeah, he's, his hair is combed, so it's the Sting, like, full hair, but it's not wild like when he's wrestling. It's, like, perfectly combed and parted. And was this filmed for the movie, or was this just the footage from an actual, like, marketing campaign? Because it is I th- wild. <laughs> I, I think it was filmed for the movie. It's so great. He's wearing like a dark gray suit with the Sting paint on. Yeah. He's like picking up a Goldberg figure and giving like the face like, oh, this dork and throws it over his shoulder. Yeah. He's like dropping the Hitman toys on the ground. Like, I don't want to deal with them. Uh, This segues into Sting having a nightmare. And if you want any kind, if you've never seen this movie, the best way to explain it is the nightmare sequence from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. He's going down an alley where there's possibly hookers, a drunk guy kind of giving him a hard time. (laughs) (laughs) Then he's being operated on at surgery, and one of the surgeons is Sting, operating on Sting. (laughs) Yeah. Did you you skip my favorite scene of the movie? You may have skipped my favorite scene of the movie. I don't remember. What could your favorite scene be? Because I've established roller coasters. Sting is laying in bed in his hotel room. Did you skip this thing? Don't have anything in my notes about it. Maybe I did not think it was as important as you did. Or maybe your YouTube clip edited it. But <laughs> he gets a phone call from his wife, and they're and it's you know he's oh, how are the kids? How how are you? I'm good. Kids are good. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. 
and then like the the conversation escalates where she's asking him are you alone is there anyone there with you and he gets really angry at the, even the the implication that he's been with someone else so it's a standard you know distrust i'm a, i'm abusing drugs scene but the camera stays static on sting the entire time we never get a second person on this phone call so it is him <laughs> reciting lines of dialogue with himself and i clocked it <laughs> We watch this for two minutes and 38 seconds where he is having an argument basically with himself where we have to infer all of the other responses on the phone. My favorite scene of the movie. I watched it twice. Well, I'm sure that there's many young actors now that use this as their audition piece. (laughs) Am I alone? Give me a break. That's great. I will now be doing the scene... (laughs) <laughs> from Sting, colon, a moment in truth. A moment of truth. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, okay. So there's definitely narration when he's not being interviewed, but there is a second interviewer in this movie. Who? Oh, God. I'm, I'm worried that your your copy had things missing. <laughs> uh, there's a, He's at another uh, sort of like, whatever, locker room, dressing room area, and another person knocks on the door, and it's a young kid in full Sting makeup. You didn't see any of this? Oh, nope. This was missing from my part. This oh, is great. Boy. I'm glad I watched the movie this way. Okay, so so I'll take over. Tag me in. <laughs> <laughs> Hot tag. <laughs> so it's right after this uh, this bedroom scene where he's on the phone with his wife. Person knocks at the door. It's a kid in full face uh, makeup. Sting slams the door on him because he's like disgusted that someone <laughs> is dressed up like him. Uh, he opens the door. It's a kid from a college newspaper who's obviously also a huge Sting mark. Sting eventually lets him in. There's a very strange scene where the kid will not give Sting his name. Sting keeps saying, what's your name, kid? What's your name? And the kid doesn't say, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it. It's a girl's name. It's really weird. You need to go back and watch this. I did not have any of this. It's really weird. (laughs) And then eventually the kid reveals that his name is Gail. And Sting is kind of like, oh, Gail's a fine name. It, it's I don't it's not funny I don't know why any of this is in the movie. Eventually he lets Gail the reporter <laughs> into this room, and then basically he picks up the thread of the last interviewer. Well, that explains more to me. Okay, that works now. It still doesn't really work, but I'll say that. And and this is where it leads into this sort of bizarre career retrospective thing where it's like fifteen different nitros, and there's you know all these things cut together, and then we get into his temptation montage scene as you described it. <laughs> Which I wrote down, I thought I was hallucinating that scene because it's just so, like, stings both surgeons. He's talking to himself on the operating table. It's really weird. He's he's just banging on every exit door, looking through the tiny yes. windows. Yes. It looked like the set from uh, Vampiro, Warrior of the Night. Ooh, great episode. <laughs> also, it's just, like, it's, it's at one point, the surgeon stings, yells, like, st- there is no sting, only sting, or some vague line that makes no sense. <laughs> and, and this this nightmare scene, which goes on forever, yes, leads to the climactic ending of our film. Oh boy! As Sting rolls out of bed and then just starts screaming for God as he rolls around on the floor praying for what feels like fifteen minutes. Yes. You know, for for what what swerves us into a very overt Christian film at the very end, this is the part where he seems the least comfortable. Presumably, this is at least a a, a sort of a, a dramatization of the way he prays. 
and right. he seems so uncomfortable doing it. He's not remembering dialogue at this point. He's just saying things. At one point, he wants to say, you know, Jesus, cleanse me. But he says, please just clean me. And it, it just sounds really bad. <laughs> Ew. Ew, <laughs> yeah. gross. It's, it's very uncomfortable. And, like, this big scene then just leads to him not doing any more pills, not drinking. Yep. And then we just get the Animal House style, where are they now paragraph, and that's yeah. how the movie ends. Correct. That's it. That's it. Well, we, we do get the the, the uh, slideshow on the credits. Well, yeah, we do. That's. <laughs> I did not stick through the credits. Was there a oh, post-credit scene? Come on. There's no post-credit scene, but the slideshow is of mm. his marriage to his wife, um, um, his, real, his real wife, and then we get images of his kids. They must have only had a home videos for like one weekend in 1996 because every 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 one of them has the date tag at the bottom and it's like it's like <laughs> April 25th and then the next scene is April 26th. <laughs> ignorance is bliss. Now it's time for ignorance is bliss, which is the segment where we ask some of our unwitting public to tell us what they think these movies are about, but they only get to know the name of the movie and the wrestler. Um, we got some entries for this one. Remarkably, given Sting's popularity, not many people seem to know who Sting is, which was surprising to me. You know, usually when we do these and it's like, you know, Hulk Hogan, they at least have a vague understanding of who Hogan is. So maybe Sting isn't the crossover star that we think he is. No. But regardless, we, we, have, a, we have a few entries. So first from Bran Bryson in uh, Washington. He's a, he's a frequent contributor, and he, he likes to basically write his own movies. <laughs> so I don't know if he knows anything about wrestling, but he is clearly an amateur filmmaker. Here's what he thinks Sting Moment of Truth is about. Down and out sales executive Dawson Lane just <laughs> lost the big account and finds his whole identity threatened. He now sits on the edge of the rooftop of his office building and contemplates taking one final step forward. That is, until a piece of falling airplane debris slams into him and sends his mind into a free fall of past regrets and surprising successes. A life re-examined. A moment of true understanding. Coming direct to video this fall. Wow. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, again, always, he, he does the... the he does the names. He even added a little tagline that's coming to direct to video. I love all that. The funniest <laughs> part to me, though, is that the movie is called Sting Moment of Truth. And at no point does he name any character Sting. <laughs> no, he, he gives Sting what would be his uh, NXT 2.0 name. Yeah, Dawson. <laughs> First round breakout eliminator. <laughs> and of course, Kramer. I spoke to my father about what he thought this movie was about. So uh, we're going we're gonna to play this and we'll listen to it together and we'll get your thoughts on the other side. All right. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hello, Chris. So today's movie is called Sting, Moment of Truth, and it stars the wrestler Sting. Okay. Now when you when you say stars, he's just one of the he's just one of the characters? Well, I mean I, <laughs> I can't tell you that. <laughs> I could just tell you that he's he's in the movie called Sting, Moment of Truth. All right, it it's it sounds like um uh, to me like some kind of um robbery plot. It's a sting. In other words, they're, uh, it's getting me back to the Paul Newman movie, The Sting. In other words, they're, they're con men and they're, they're pulling a sting. They're pulling um, a plan to uh, either rob or... Uh, so you think the wrestler Sting, is he part of this plot? I would say he is part of the plot, yes. 
So you think the wrestler Sting is part of a Sting operation of some kind? <laughs> yes. Okay, and and what, what do, why do you think his name is part of the title? Is it because they're about to execute a Sting? So they're they're using that to sort of have a double meaning? Yes. And and what is the moment of truth? Why is the subtitle of the movie Moment of Truth? Drawing a blank on that. But the moment of truth is probably uh, he finds out something of the person that he's pulling this thing on, the con job on, that the person is not what they thought they, it was. <laughs> okay, so... So yeah, I mean he's not even close on what the movie's about, but but what 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 is fascinating is that when my father heard the word sting, he all he could think about was this movie he saw 35 years ago. And then from there it colored his entire experience with the assignment. He could not divorce himself from the fact that there was a movie called The Sting a long time ago. If there was a drinking game about this episode where you take a shot every time someone says sting, your father would your father would kill somebody. <laughs> and and I try I tried desperately to sort of maybe reposition the conversation to how the absurdity of a wrestler named Sting being in a movie about a sting called Sting. But he he, he was steadfast. Nope. He was like, no, this is great. The wrestler's name is Sting, and he's in a Sting. <laughs> I like that he couldn't really wrap his head around the fact that Sting is starring in a movie called Sting, Moment of Truth. <laughs> well, I, I think what's happening there is that um, <laughs> my dad is, has touched a little bit of fame from, from being on oh, this. And now he's cautiously sort of dipping his toe where he's trying to gather more information <laughs> so that he can make a more careful guess at what the plot of the movie is so he was trying to discern <laughs> the level of sting's involvement uh well he's not getting paid if he thinks that's where this is going i, I well no, definitely not the, the it makes you wonder though what if i had said sting isn't in the movie that much would that have changed his answer no i i think the minute sting came up it was full we are talking about Paul Newman for the rest of this. <laughs> I picture your dad also had the, the, the song from this thing playing in his head while he was doing this. Like, when he was done, he had to watch the movie. You really like triggered the rest of his day. Well, now that it's time for the real moment of truth. It's time for the three count. First things first, is this a wrestling movie, Chris? It is. Against all odds, this is a wrestling movie. <laughs> a biography about a wrestler. Wrestling movie. Yep. This is, if anything, it is a wrestling movie. Is it a movie? Uh, I don't know. But it's a best about wrestling. Yep. That is that is accurate. So, would you say it's a good movie? I mean, definitely not. It's not, like, it's really not a movie, on any level there, there's almost no entertainment value for this movie it's it's basically filmed with sting in a hotel room by himself the entire time oh it yeah it's not a good movie it's it's barely a movie it's 75 percent filler of matches and stock footage um if anything and it kind of goes back to something you said earlier it's almost like 
It's a visual audio book, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it is. It's a. You, you remember when we used to buy when we were kids, we would buy those books that in the back they had the the uh, cassette tape, like in that little plastic pouch. Yep. And so you'd read a yeah. Batman story and you'd listen to it at the same time. That's kind of what yeah. it is. You're meant to have the book in front of you at that that uh, forty thousand man retreat while you watch. <laughs> uh, while you're while you're ironing your khakis. <laughs> So, the best question of the three count, as always, where on the card is this movie? So I'm going full Kramer for this one. You ready? Yeah. This me- this movie is not booked on the card, but it is the hype montage for one of Sting's matches. <laughs> so it's the build-up video for like the main event of Halloween Havoc? Yeah, so this is when I guess he's in a one-on-one match with Satan. You would you would run this to get you hyped <laughs> up for the the blow-off. Well, guess what, Chris? Guess yeah. what? What? You know what I think? This movie's not even on the card. I also have that as my option. <gasps> no way. I do. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we we have achieved synergy. <laughs> <laughs> This movie isn't even on the card. This movie isn't booked tonight. Creative has nothing for this movie. This movie's only shot is if Terry Taylor misses his flight. And then we'll let this movie get on the card. (laughs) Terry Taylor getting the double shout outs today. (laughs) Well, I think it's only fair that now we head to the swerve. This is the swamp. I don't know if you know this, but our show is about professional wrestlers who do acting. Wait, really? Did you know that? Yeah. I don't know if you've been keeping up. I thought we just had a, had a weird Christian podcast. <laughs> oh, that's what it feels like at this point. We are doing so many Christian films. We're not the people to be doing those. But you know, that, that world's a two-way street, and sometimes actors come into the wrestling world with questionable results. Oh, boy. So for this swerve, I will give you a clue, and you tell me the celebrity. And we will be focusing solely on those that have appeared in WCW and TNA in honor of Sting. Oh, boy. This is a blind spot for me. No, you're going to have some fun. I learned while I put this together. (laughs) So here we go. First one's a softball. At Capital Combat, Sting would team with this man. While he was not protecting the city of New Detroit. Oh, oh well, this one I know. This is uh, RoboCop, of course. Oh, yes. It is one of the best celebrity slash crossover things in the history of wrestling. So wild. It was a tag team match where there was never a tag because the one guy is literally a robot. <laughs> the the build-up stuff for that, that, like, he appeared at a Clash of the Champions, I think. It's so great because, like, the suit is falling apart. Because it's not meant to interact with humans. It's just so great. Next up, in this forgotten jewel of Bret Hart's career. Oh, boy. In WCW on Monday Nitro, he went one-on-one with this member of Mad TV. Oh, see, this is a double blind spot because I didn't watch a lot of Nitro. <laughs> I didn't watch Mad TV. But he's your favorite wrestler. Yes, that that, that is accurate. But God, I, 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 there's no possible way I could know this. I'm going to pass. Well, pass. At, at some point, you need to go on the network and look for Bret Hart versus Will Sasso. Oh, okay. See, Will Sasso is someone I did know from ATV. 
so I probably could have guessed that. <laughs> the only one you probably did know. Yeah, that's, that's true. This former child actor would play a role in Sting and Flair's match at Clash of the Champions as a judge. The match would end in a draw and go to the judge's decision, which would then still not pick a winner. <laughs> he would somehow go on to become WCW's executive producer. Yeah, okay, so there's no way I can name him, but it's the older brother from the Wonder Years. Correct. It is Jason Hervey. Jason Hervey, there you go. Who somehow became Eric Bischoff's like right-hand man That's, to this day. Uh, yeah, it's so wild. I love it. This Batman star would appear on Nitro as his HBO series character, Scouting Talent. Oh. Um, crap. I can't think of it. It's, it's Arliss. I can't think of his name, though. <laughs> I will give you points for Arliss. It is Robert Wool. Robert Oh, wow. Yeah, he was great in Batman, too. Yep. Someone who once bummed a cigarette off my father at a at, a, at an off-Broadway show. Ah, <laughs> uh, brushes with fame. <laughs> we have another child star on our hands. He would have a dark match in WCW at Spring Stampede, but not make it to television until 15 years later. Oh, boy. When he would lose to Eric Young at TNA Lockdown in under four minutes. Inside a steel cage. What? Oh, I have no earthly idea. Macaulay Culkin. I have no idea. No, of course you, of course you wouldn't know. This is this game was made for you to fail. Danny Bonaducci. Oh wow. Okay, see, so you threw me because I thought he was a child star when he was like starting, but he was already in no, his, that's like sixties when he did this. Yep, I'm good at making questions. I am throwing them at you. You don't know what's coming. Well, that this is payback for See No Evil, where I was getting stuff from, like, MTV hits. <laughs> and our final. Before he was on the hunt for the Trump tapes, this former celebrity husband slash sports show host had his own TNA-themed special called The Best Damn Wrestling Show, period. He refereed a hardcore little people's match between T.O. and Puppet, that led to the celeb then going one-on-one -on -one with Puppet and getting the win. There's a lot of information I'm trying to process in my head right now. It's not going great. I remember the best damn wrestling show. I remember that, but I do not remember who hosted it. Do you Do you give up? I'm, I'm Jay Leno. Is it Jay Leno? <laughs> it is not Jay Leno. It is the incomparable Tom Arnold. Oh, yep, you know. Yep, no, I should have gotten that. Because he was also, wasn't he also on the sports show as well? The best. Yep, that was yeah. that's it was the spinoff from that because it was doing so well. That yeah. show was huge for yes, a while. It was. It really, and then it just vanished basically. Yeah, that is one of the most bizarre. Like, yeah, I know this isn't for this podcast, but Tom Arnold had an actual sports talk show for a solid five years. Yeah, and that it was, was huge. It was enormous. Yep, and then no one remembers it. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't. Yeah, so so this was this was impossible. I thought you it was going to be all basically that one match where Hogan wrestled Jay Leno. I, that's what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Uh, no, I did not put in the Jay Leno match or the weird Chris Rock appearance in TNA that exists. Oh, man. So, you know. Best celebrity wrestler of all time? Bad Bunny, right? Oh, Bad Bunny. In ring? Yeah. Untouchable. Oh, Untouchable. He, was, he was great. He sells better than half of real wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, him and like Stephen Amell should be a tag team. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't do well. I'm not going <laughs> to sugarcoat it. You no. failed pretty yeah. badly. Yep. Agreed. Um, I would say you probably should maybe... Uh, Call God, see if he'll help you get better. Minimum, he'll get you an appearance at a Hardee's, because I guess that's how he works. Yeah, I, I could go for some Hardee's. But I think we've done the job for Sting, Cole, and Moment of Truth. <laughs> 
Uh, Sacco, I hope you got something up for us next that is still faith-based so we can keep this train rolling right up to heaven. Well, I I don't know if it's faith-based, but as our listeners know, I always try and reveal a little bit about my co-host, Chris Kramer, when I pick my movies. And um, something you may not know and Kramer may not know is that our next episode is number 25 in the Movie Marks canon. So, so this is a big milestone for the show. And as a special treat to my co-host, I have picked a movie that involves his four favorite things on Earth. <gasps> it's got wrestling. Yes. It's a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's about pizza. <gasps> and it has ties to the great state of New Jersey. We are watching Pizza Man starring... Frankie Munoz and Diamond Dallas Page. This is not a real movie. This is impossible <laughs> that this exists in any any capacity. Did you self-finance this? Is this a cameo that you paid for? Kramer, this is the second movie featuring someone from Malcolm in the Middle we're doing. <laughs> we need to get all three kids then. That's what the hell did the other one do? <laughs> this, I have never been more of because i don't know if the listener knows this but we've kind of made this a game of trying to find the most bizarre <laughs> hidden movies to show each other and this is sacco got me on this one because i have no idea what he's talking about yeah 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 that is gonna be great <laughs> i'm excited for this one very much and now i have to move around my picks so i can one-up him next show <laughs> that's this is what the game is, folks. This is this is the this is the show behind the show. <laughs> yeah, you all have to suffer for us to do this to each other. I'm excited now. Uh, you should be. Uh, so if if you want to follow along with the suffering, you could sub- write, rate, like, subscribe. I don't know. There's there's lots of buttons you can hit on the show. Do those <laughs> buttons. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at movie.marks. We'll probably I, th- this movie is just basically p- Sting's face. I don't even know what we could put up. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, maybe, maybe, oh, Roller Coaster Sting, obviously. Oh, Roller Coaster Sting, and that's it. Just, we're going to loop that as a gif. <laughs> maybe Tuna Sting? I don't know. <laughs> I'll, oh, we'll put up a picture of the college reporter guy, because you apparently didn't see that part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be on Instagram at movie.marks. You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, at, Twitty. I'm I looking forward to that post. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> this is going off the rails here, right at the end. It's Twitter. It's I keep saying Twitty. I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's Twitter at movie underscore marks. Kramer's in charge of that. He does a lot of uh, sh- show reports and whatnot. It's fun. If you have suggestions for movies we should cover or comments on a movie we've done or you want to contribute to Ignorance's Bliss for Pizza Man starring Diamond Dallas Page, <laughs> feel free to email us at themoviemarks at gmail.com. And of course, we are still actively seeking corporate sponsorship. If Hardee's wants to give us some money, I will travel the country opening Hardee's. I, I mean, that's I'm not I'm not above that. That does it for us here. Until next time, I'm Chris Sacco. I'm Chris Kramer, and we're the Movie Marks. And I give my heart to you. I give my life to you, Jesus. Please. Just clean me. If you want to talk to Sting, you talk to the paint. <laughs> <laughs>